challenges do blended families face? How do two separate families become one? And what does God have to do with it? Join us today as I interview the authors of We're Not Blended, We're Pareed. You'll learn how one widowed mom with two sons and one widowed dad with one son learned to be a family. The journey was sometimes rocky, but God walked with them. He'll do the same for you. We're Not Blended, We're Pareed is written by Diana Lassier Brandmeyer and Marty Lentvent. Diana is the widowed mom who shares the challenges and joys she experienced in her blended family, and Marty is a licensed national certified professional counselor. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for the Family Shield program. I want to welcome both of the authors into the studio today. I'm so happy to have both uh, Diana and Marty here with me. It's always nice to see a face and not just have somebody on the telephone. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Um, Diana, tell our listeners, uh, it's it, most of the book is about your blended family. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background and uh, your blended family. My blended family started by... Um, my, I lost my husband, and my husband had lost my new husband had lost his wife, and we started getting together just to share time with our boys. I would sew on Cub Scout badges, and he would throw balls and fix bicycles, and then before we knew it, we started falling in love, and we got married. Wow! So tell our listeners how many children you had and how many children he had. Maybe share their name and their ages. Sure. Well, we have three boys. I had two, Ben and Josh. I have to stop and think who they are. Uh, now they are 27, and I think Josh is 24. And Andy was Ed's son, and he is also 27. At the time, they were both, the two older ones were eight, and Josh was three. All and right. got married. Great. Well, I want to just mention again the book, um, the way it's uh, divided, and I loved it, by the way. It's a great book. It has a lot of different chapters on different topics that blended families deal with. But uh, the way it's set up is Diana shares her story in a chapter, and then at the end of that chapter, Marty, who is a counselor, mm-hmm. expands the topic to talk a little bit more about other blended families that she works with as a counselor. So, Marty, tell our listeners a little bit more about your part in the book. Well, this book was a it was an exciting challenge for me because the only other things I had written prior to this were academic things. I, I say they were boring academic academic things. Um, but Diana offered me the challenge of partnering with her in this book and. How it was written was she would write her chapter, her you know, beginning with, you know, um, the 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 end of her her first marriage, you know, and uh, being in 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 the house that she lived in and and things like that. And she'd send me her chapter via email, so that's how we how we wrote. She would send me her chapter, I would read it. And Diana and I had known one another for several years. Um, when we began this project, but I learned so many things about 
her her life with Ed, with her boys that I hadn't known before. And I'd take that information, and, and sometimes I would find myself crying or laughing or, you know, just really entering into her life in a way that I hadn't done before. But then, you know, I'd step back a few paces and, and the counselor, Marty, would, you know, respond to the content, what, what they were going through as a family, what this particular dynamic, uh, she was talking about. It might have been, you know, how do I, how do I move into a new household? What, how do I make that choice? You know, how do we celebrate holidays? Things of that nature. You know, how do we do- deal with conflict or, or discipline? And, you know, some of the big and small issues that, that families face. Absolutely. Now, um, before we actually launch into talking about some of the chapters, um, the subtitle of the book is A Survivor's Guide to Blended Families. Why did you say that? Because it it is a war sometimes. And you do come out of it eventually. Those kids do move out of the house, and you have survived it if you're still intact. And that's why the survivor guide. Okay. Well, and we really wanted to give uh, families practical solutions. So in in the second half of the chapters, we come in with, okay, this is what you might be dealing with. You know, some of the solutions are included in how Diana and Ed faced the challenges, and then maybe I add to that in my my portion of the chapter. But solutions for how your life might move a little bit more smoothly uh, as you, you know, work to adapt. Mm -hmm. So we really wanted solutions to be in there. And and actually, our editor said, you know, this is a survivor's guide. Yeah. And so I think so. I'm not from a blended family, but first of all, there's a lot of things in the book that it's for any parent or grandparent. Thank you. There was a lot of good information. And the other thing that it helped me understand is some of the special challenges that mm-hmm. blended families have. So let's just talk for a minute about a couple. Um you talk about the honeymoon. And you say they aren't just for couples anymore. Um, tell us a little bit about what you did on your honeymoon and why it was challenging. Okay. The first part of the honeymoon was great. We got on an airplane. We went to Las Vegas because they have those cheap specials. And we went and we came back three days later. I went to my house to pack it up. And Ed went to his house to pack his stuff up. And I got there and he hadn't done anything. Shocking. <laughs> so he hadn't packed or he anything? He had not packed. Uh, laundry had not been done. It's a man. It's a man. <laughs> uh, something about a trailer hitch needed to be attached to the back of the van. And I'm, I thought we were leaving within minutes after I arrived, and we didn't pull out till it was dark. And we drove, and we drove for 19 hours. Another drove. man thing. <laughs> with, with the children. With the children. Oh, yes, we took the children. I'm sorry. They were in the back seat, and Josh was in one of those old-fashioned uh, child seats and the other two boys were on each side and I have a picture of them and it, I think Andy finally realized what it was like to have a little brother. He has the most disgusting look on his face in this picture. <laughs> and I kept thinking, are we going to stop soon? I need oh, to change that no. child's diaper. <laughs> and he'd say, oh, we're fine. We're fine. And I thought we were going to stop and, and spend a night somewhere between our house and Colorado and we did not. Oh. So some of it was just not clarifying, communicating, uh, your, your husband's name is Ed. Ed, yes. Ed's style of 
taking a honeymoon with exactly. the children and yours, and you kind of found out afterwards, and oh, wow. Oh, and then we jumped right into being parents. And that was quite a shock, too, because even though we had dated and spent time together, I didn't realize that at eight o'clock, Andy was not going to go to bed just because Ben and Josh went to bed all this time. And we had a lot of those issues to work out right away. Yeah, a little bit of different styles of discipline. Yeah. Marty, just uh, again, kind of touch on the honeymoon and the discipline, maybe since we brought both up. Yeah, with regard to the honeymoon, you know, uh, Diana gives a really good example of what happens when you haven't asked specific questions, you know, specifically. So how long are we going to travel the first day? And, you know, for each each parent to really keep in mind what is realistic with regard to the expectations and those developmental stages of children. And when you're when you're traveling, you know, here, Ed went from traveling with one child to traveling with three and and Diana. And, you know, so there was how there was more people that needed potty stops, you know, which makes it longer, uh, the trip take longer. I've had other families that talk about taking a, what they call a family moon, you know, a, a honeymoon. Usually there's a little break in between the, the wedding and that family moon so that the couple, as Ed and Diana did, can have some time together. And then they can kind of maybe get to know one another in their own home. And then they go off on a a vacation of sorts to celebrate the new family. And the children, too, because they had never lived together before. So this was the first time, and it wasn't maybe the the best way to to help them be brothers. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, One of the other issues uh, in the book is where are we going to live? Uh, You had a home and your husband had a home. Tell us a little bit about that. At the time, I had a home in Missouri that was built in the 1800s, and I loved it. And he had a brand-new home in Illinois, which was perfect because it had a room for each child, and the home in Missouri did not. He had a business in Illinois, so the only practical thing was to move to Illinois. And so we did. Mm -hmm. That was a tough thing for me to do. I bet. I bet. And Diana? I'm sorry, Marty. um. Well, one of the things that Diana then had to do was uh, accommodate her boys into a home in which uh, her her new son had already lived with his with his you know where his mother had lived, his biological mother had lived, and so there were those kinds of accommodations that can be really difficult emotionally when you're struggling with, you know, there's certain pictures up here that make me uncomfortable, but does he need to see them? And Diana writes about that, Um, Pastor Mark. Wiesner, who's the pastor at Signal Hill in in, uh, Belleville and also a licensed marriage and family therapist, when he's working with families making this kind of um, assimilation, he encourages that they consider a neutral, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, starting fresh in in a new home. Not every family can do that. You know, finances may prohibit that, you know. but if you can, that kind of relieves some of the emotion that's attached to those, you know, each and, and ownership of those previous homes. Now, that wasn't a possibility for Diana and for Ed. So, you know, they walked through, how do I make this a home for my, my boys, as well as, you know, honoring the fact that Andy and Ed had lived there with, with, with Deb, the, the, you know, the previous wife. And that's, you know, written, I think, very movingly uh, that Diana writes about that in very poignant fashion in the book, just the emotional struggle that was a part of that. And I think that that is one of the blessings of the book. Uh, Diana 
you're very open and honest about the challenges. Uh, you you uh, you have a great sense of humor that comes out in the book as well. Uh, you write well, and it, it's fun and interesting. And I think, like Marty, sometimes you're feeling like crying for you and, mm-hmm. and your husband and your children, and other times you're laughing. But um, but you did talk about some of the challenges when you first, I think it was when you were first married, your children went to bed early, but your husband's son liked to stay up late. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, before we were married, I would we would have phone calls at 10 at night, and I could hear Andy in the background. I'd say, why isn't he in bed? Oh, well, we just haven't gotten to it yet. Didn't really think that this was going to be an issue when we were married because I'm a mom, and moms put kids to bed. And when I got married to Ed and realized that Andy wasn't going to do that, it really created quite quite a difficult problem because we had one who's the same age or 21 days apart. So if you have one trained to go to bed at a certain time and the other one's not, you really have to work with both of them to make it to make it uh, possible mm-hmm. <laughs> to stay there. I don't really know how to explain how hard that was. But. And then it, you didn't have any time with your husband alone because he was staying up late. That's oh, that's another right. Issue, yeah, right? that is true. Yeah, that is true. We're just now starting to have time together. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, any other thoughts about that? Well, and some of the interesting challenges that Diana writes about in, in the book were just the very different parenting styles that they yes, that I they came that. into the the marriage with you know um diana was a school teacher and she's very structured and, you know and um ed's not structured <laughs> and <laughs> he's, not. he's not and he's got a wonderful you know free, fun-loving spirit to him and very, you know, uh, explores the world and is curious. Um, But when the structured mom, who's now responsible for all those three boys, is trying to get them on task and she's discovering that that the complete absence of some of the rules that were present in her home, you know, were taking her by surprise, you know, then you get into the um, children who... um, engage in that divide and conquer thing, yeah. which happens in every family, not now just blended families. families but right. yes. So we write, I think, you know, it maybe gets amped up a little bit when there's greater opportunity, as I think is true when you're blending a family, there's a lot of opportunities for kids to divide and conquer and, um, you know, kind of mess with the, the discipline process and, and get one parent against the other. And yeah. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite things that Andy told me one day was, well, Dad married you to clean the house <gasps> for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that was one of our little uh-huh. yeah. oh, children. <laughs> yeah, I want to just make a few announcements, and then we'll go back to talking more about the book. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Live the Six, Being an Everyday Missionary. To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center, one 877 Two five zero eight four one six, or email us at witness to family at gmail dot com. Please make sure you give us your complete name and address when you call or write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than fifty radio stations each week throughout the United States, and is also available through our podcast. We are a listener supported ministry. We invite your prayers and support. If you'd like to support us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, 
P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836 and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Why not put Family Shield Ministries into your will or estate? Most people want to give the majority of their assets to their family, but many also put a favorite nonprofit ministry into their estate to receive 5 or 10% of it. Family Shield's estate program is entitled Generations Legacy. Your gift will allow us to continue the ministries for many generations and beyond your lifetime. For more information, contact us at witness2family at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to Family Shield and for your prayers. Learn more again at www.familyshieldministries.com. Concordia Publishing House is the uh, uh, publisher for the book, and their website is www.cph.org. Um, I'm assuming, and I'll ask uh, my guests, that this book is available in many places beyond yes. their website. Yes, it is at cph.org. It's also at amazon.com, at cbd. Is that a com or an org? Dot dot com and at family christian bookstore that's great well i again i recommend it i i know someone that just recently about two weeks ago got remarried she has a little girl mm-hmm. and uh, i think i'm going to send her the tape and and let her know about the book i i'm uh, i work with her and i'm always giving her information and books that i review from the program but uh uh, I think, again, there's a lot of good advice in this Thank book. So you. let's continue talking. D- uh, Diana, one of the other uh, chapters is your church, my church, or a new church. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience of trying to find a church. Okay. The first church we went to, um, we sat in the front with three boys because I've always done that with my children. I, I started that way because they pay attention. Mm-hmm. In the back, there's too much going on. And the first church we went to, we were told many times we needed to sit in the back where the children's families sat. And Andy is, has some attention problems, and this was not the place for him. And one day, I, I gave them all paper to draw on. Many mothers do that. And the lady behind us said, well, I don't think you should be drawing airplanes during the sermon. And at, we went to another church after that. We found Blessed Savior, and we found a home there. It's great. Very family-oriented. A lot of churches uh, do have a a place for the parents with young children in the back, Uh, but there are also many churches that understand that children need to see things, and Mm -hmm. so they encourage you to go to the front and let them see that baptismal fount. Let them see what's up there. Um, And Marty, it sounded like you wanted to share a little bit about that. Well, I... 
I agree that children towards the front of the church get a lot more out of the worship service. You know, they can uh, stay engaged in the service uh, as much as their developmental stage allows them to. Uh, They can hear better. They can see better. A lot of kids need to see. They're visual learners. When they're in the back and all they can see is, you know, the rear end of the person in front of them, um, it's hard for them to even stay engaged, you know, as listeners. But up in the front, they can attend, you know, to the extreme of their developmental stage And, you know, what Diana did with offering them paper and pencil during the sermon enabled them to stay focused as long as possible and then have something quiet they could do when when they got to the edge of that, you know, their ability to listen. And it's not distracting for most of us Um, to hear uh, the response from other parishioners that make you feel as if your children are not welcome really hurts. It does hurt. And so, you know, one of the things that as you're seeking a church, which is an incredibly important thing for a family to do, is to not only pay attention to what you pick up, but also listen to what your children have to say about that church. You know, did they feel welcome? If they went off to Sunday school and came back smiling, you know, how come? If they came back and they got in the car and they didn't say anything to you until you got home, how come? Um what did they notice about the church? Did anybody greet you? You know, did anybody speak to you while you were there? Or did you go in and leave and feel as if you, you know, well, if I go back, I still won't know anyone. I, no one will have spoken to me. That's a pretty alone feeling. And when you're trying to, you know, to establish roots as a new family, um, feeling like your church is a church home is so important. It is. It is. And we want our children to know and love Jesus. Absolutely. And we want a place where we can worship and, um, and, and that people care about us. And yes. that, that is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Sometimes people say things without thinking. That's right. But, um, um, I, I know when I read that in your book, I was just appalled <laughs> that someone would say to you, take your children to the back. They don't belong up here. They disturbed me, I think is what you said is, yes. oh, no. Yeah. And, and sure, children do wiggle and, and move around and right. they probably do disturb uh, the people behind them a little bit, but they're also there to worship the a- Lord. Absolutely. And those, you know, as their bodies wiggle and they, they get used to sitting for longer and longer periods of time, you know, I think those of us who sit through that process are oftentimes very surprised at what that child learns about Jesus when we get, you know, when we get out the door and ready to go home. And, you know, Diana said that when they found the place where they felt like they could be a family and be a part of a family, they knew it. And that that's so important that every member of our family feels welcome, you know, for the most part right and and even now we still sit in the front and when when josh comes home he's in front with us as well yes and uh, you know Kay had mentioned that that people do uh, on occasion say things that might surprise us and i think that you know an occasional slip up we can we, we can obviously we forgive all of those kinds of uh challenges, but when you feel as if your family is not welcome, that's a whole different thing. And when you, when you feel if there's no place for your child um, and they have to be in the back, I think that for a family that's struggling to set down roots in a faith community, uh, it, it just feels like there's nothing but rocky ground underneath you. Right. And I think, too, when you're first, when you're first blending your family, you're so concerned about how you look and how you present yourself to other people that you're, you're very easily insulted or 
concerned with what someone might say and you feel judged quickly. Yeah. And I think you're very raw, you know, emotionally. And so to, to, you know, for that perception of, of, feeling as if you're judged to be validated by a comment as, you know, that your children, your children belong in the back. Oh, my goodness, that's so hurtful. So, you know, for those families who are who are looking for a church, I just I so applaud you and commend you for looking for a faith foundation for your children and encourage you to kind of look beyond the, the, the missteps that occur from time to time. And if the first church that you go to or the second church doesn't feel like a good fit, don't give up. Keep looking. Because God wants us to be in fellowship with one another. He wants our families to be a part of a faith fellowship. And maybe don't say no to the first church. Go at least at least two or three times because you might be surprised. Absolutely. All right. We have about four minutes left. <clears throat> I wanted to touch on the extended family issue. <laughs> because in a blended family, you have lots of extended family. Tell us a little bit about your walk in that area. My walk in that area it was uh, like walking on eggs. Uh, <laughs> it was a tough one. We had uh, Andy's grandparents, and his grandmother is actually my aunt, which gets a little confusing unless you've read the book. And then we had my husband, my first husband's parents, along with my mom, along with Ed's mom. And then you throw in a holiday, and you see, where do I go? Mm-hmm. Whose house do we go to? Mm. And it, it's it's a big scheduling mess. Um, you hope that everyone in those families accept your children. It doesn't always work that way. And you have to find a way to keep... We, we found a way to keep our family together, and it may not have been the best way to do it, but it's what we had to do. Yeah. Well, and I, I think... You know, with regard to holidays, that's a big challenge because there are so many traditions attached to holidays and you have to look for, uh, it, it, on one hand, does this tradition still serve my family or does it cause a lot of disruption? Um, how, you know, I think taking turns is a really important concept for families to embrace and to, um, educate the extended family with, you know, I can come to your house this Thanksgiving, but next Thanksgiving, we're going to, you know, grandma, grandma Susie's and, and we're going to rotate that way because you, if you, uh, especially with small children, if you're trying to go to four or six households each holiday, um, it, it just really destroys the, perp- you know, the celebration aspect of that holiday. Right. You exhaust yourselves and the children and the children. Yeah, because they're, they're, you know, their energy is finite and they need naps. They need meals on a schedule. And so to go to six houses in one day is just, you know, too much. Too much. And, and then you throw in how many gifts you get from each place. <laughs> and how many you have to provide. You have to provide. <laughs> sure. That's true. And yeah. you, you try to tell your children that they get more prayers instead of gifts and they look at you strangely. But that's what you try to focus it back on, that you mm-hmm. have love, a lot of love coming your way. Mm-hmm. Well, we have just a couple minutes left. Diana, tell us about your family today. My family today is awesome. They are. I have the best kids ever. Andy is um, an art instructor. For, and right now he's working for three different schools in the area. Um, ben is married to Sarah. I'm so happy he found this girl. <laughs> and then my other son, Josh, is, mar- is married in Chicago and... It's just been wonderful. We have a great relationship. Awesome. God blessed you for yes. sure. Yes. Absolutely. Good. 
That's great. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that God will bless you and your family. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.